Good morning, everybody. I'm still working on the sermon back there and going, oh, I got to get out there. My notes are a mess. Good to have you with us this morning. My name's Tim, and I'm one of the guys that talks around here. And it's good to have you uh, all here together on this wonderful September Sunday morning. I got to admit, I love September. It's my favorite month. It's the month I started going steady with Denise on September the 19th. Yeah, that's what that's what it's about. And so, but uh, it's great, great uh, change of season, season and scenery. What a wonderful sunrise we got this morning. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. It was beautiful. And I uh, hope that you'll have a wonderful, beautiful day as well, especially because you're together here at, at this place. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, first I wanted to say something about the marriage retreat. It was so good to have it. Uh, I've had a lot of you say perhaps the best one we've ever had. I went, wow, uh, Nathan and Tammy King did a wonderful job. I got a feeling I could invite them back and they might might want to take another stab at, uh, at the weekend. But it was just a great time to be in New Harmony. I know that was slim pickings here while we were all gone. The singing was over the top at New Harmony. We had a great worship service as well. Uh, but I want you to know it's good to be back singing with everybody else and, and uh, being here this morning to look at God's Word. Um, the men's retreat is coming up. You'll see it in the back. And, and we're, we're flirting with this idea of this no-shave November. I don't know if I've never heard of this. Uh, somebody was mentioning it to me, this no-shave November challenge that we might want to try uh, getting ready for the men's retreat but not shaving. I tend to look like a dog that has the mange. So... <laughs> So if I look like I'm in disease or sick, it's okay. Don't shoot me. Don't take me to the vet. I'll be okay. But uh, we're going to, some of us are going to try to do this. That's going to be a hoot. But that's coming up in November. Uh, there's some details in the bulletin. You can see some people. If you want to know a little bit more about it, the Welcome Center can give you a little more information there. Now, our Fall Fest is coming up here in just a, uh, next month. We are having another meeting. Many of you remembered that meeting and it was, uh, we had uh, just a couple weeks ago. We're going to have another one on October the 3rd. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing with the Fall Fest, we're having another meeting here on October the 3rd. Uh, of course, our Fall Fest, you'll notice on the banner, we got new banners, and we thank Brian Alford for supplying those and making those. Uh, we're we're going to be having that on the 22nd. So if you're interested in helping in any way, uh, talk to somebody there at the Welcome Center. Hey, listen, I want to make sure, put my name down, I'll help anywhere, whatever you need me to do. There, that's enough of the announcements. That's a whole point. Um, I just can't believe it's been two weeks since this thing's been paid off. Two weeks. I remember Gary, Gary uh, texts me and says, officially we've paid it off. And I said, that's, that's fantastic. He goes, but it says it's pending. And I go, no, what's that supposed to mean? And then he comes back a couple of days later. Oh, I've, they're sending us the mortgage. And so the real mortgage will be here. And we're going to burn that thing. Burn, baby, burn that thing up here on the stage as soon as we get it and have us some fun. We're going to put it in a jar and put RIP on it. And we're going to set it over by the hearts because uh, together, church, you know, with God's help, uh, we were able to pay that off. It's it's such a wonderful, a wonderful thing. I don't know how to, I don't know how to what how to feel. Not sure how to even uh, process this thing. Already, we've deposited money 
in our some of the ministries here, they've already got money in the bank. Um, uh, the teen ministry and the kids ministry in particular got a significant amount, and we're going to start giving each ministry here as they as we can. We're going to start putting because Gary said we want to be men of our word. We want to be a leadership of our word, and I thought that was a that's so significant. So it's we didn't know what to say. We don't get ready to have a a kids thing. Well, we're going to have to have a fundraiser. No, we don't have to say that word that that uh, four letter fund anymore. Oh, that's nice. We can finally get it off our vocabulary. But it was a new feeling, a new experience to be able to go, what are we going to do now? And that's been the big question, hasn't it? So what do we do now? And Gary did a fantastic job last week of explaining from Scripture events in the Bible where there was some giving done, what do we do now? And I think he broke it into four four little thoughts there at the beginning about there's four stages. There's the planning and the clear communication. Then there's the giving in and of itself. And after that, there's the work. We've combined our wealth. Now it's time to combine combine our work. And there's, the, there's probably the phase we're in because the last one is completing that work. And so we're probably in this phase, I believe, where what do we do now? And so what I'd like to do is, is talk a little bit about that today in this new series called This Is Us. I love this because Cassie, I said, Cassie, I found this design on the line, but she replaced all the photos with us. So those are photos of people. I think there's some baptisms. I don't know if it's Andrea's baptism. I'm not sure whose baptism. There's some baptisms already in there, and it's so cool to see that because when you stop and think about it, the church is us. It's all of us together. And if you think about it, well, if we're going to if we're going to answer this question, what do, we, what do we do now? It has to be at least met with this preface: whatever it is, we must do it together. It's got to be together. Why? Because being on the same page is an amazing, powerful place to be with a group, any group of people. There's great power in this. Let me show you a passage up here on the screen. This is in Genesis 11. This is the Tower of Babel. We all know that shortly after the Ark. Uh, they were to, the, God said, I want you to go and fill the earth and subdue it and fill the earth uh, and repopulate it. And uh, for some reason, uh, by, by this chapter in Genesis 11, the people decide to stop and start building this tower. And it's, it sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a spiritual idea. We're going to reach into the heavens and we're going to get as close to God as we can. It sounds sincere. And it sounds like a good idea, and everybody's on board. Look what it says here. The Lord, the Lord said, these people, this is what God says about these people. These people all speak the same language. Is the communication clear? Very clear. This is what we're doing. This is what it's about. And I see that they're joined together to do the work. Are they united and on the same page when it comes to work? Absolutely. And he says, this is... He says, this is only the beginning of what they can do. Soon they'll be able to do anything they want. And I want you to notice that word, anything they want. Because they weren't doing what God wanted. And they were going to succeed in doing what they want. I've been, in, I've been a part of a church now. I've been a part of churches, gosh, since I was a little kid, going to church, putting my first quarter in the plate to today. You know, almost all my life I've been going to church. And what I notice is the struggle between what does God want and what do I want? Some of us here, generationally speaking, there are certain things in our generation that we want the church to be. Am I right about that? 
there's some of us here at certain ages, we go, we want the church to change and be this. We want it to, to be progressive or we want it to change and, and, and accept this and accept that and start dealing with this. And then we got some that said, I just like to sing the old songs. Ooh, did I? Oops, that slipped out. Sorry. But do, am I close? There's things we, we want and there's things that God wants. And I just want to say to you uh, that I struggle with this as well. It's got to come down to, if we're going to, whatever we're going to do, we do it together, including God. That we're going to be on the same page with each other, but on the same page with the Lord. Otherwise, we end up doing all this and God says, I got to shut it down because it's not accomplishing what I want it to accomplish. That's what he does to these people. He confuses them and they, they can't work together anymore. There's no clear communication. They begin to divide. Next thing you know, well, they're actually doing what God wanted. They're going throughout the world and repopulating the world. So when it comes to this same page thing, it's so important that we're on the same page with the Lord and with each other. I mean, look at the, what the Bible says here in your notes in 1 Corinthians 1.10. This is the early church, and it says, I appeal to you. Paul is talking to this church. I appeal to you. In other words, he begs, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, in view, in view of God's authority, but by that authority, what God wants, what Jesus wants. Jesus said, all authority has been, and heaven and earth has been given to me. The Bible said Jesus, Jesus made everything. I mean, he conquered death. And he's saying, there's something I want. I want to, I want to overcome death. Absolutely. I want to help people. Absolutely. But there's a, there's a, some things I want. So what I, what I, what I think and what I want really matters. And he says this, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. And then he says, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I mean, it must be pretty important because he's a, he, Paul is begging the church. And he's also begging in the, in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, here's what I notice. Every time we've done something significant, Greater Alton's done, since it started back in the 80s, it was because we were on the same page. Every time. Every time. We were on the same page. It was clear. It was clear what we were going to be doing and why we were doing it. Our, our worst moments, our poor moments, have been when it was all cloudy and, no, and we got our wants mixed up with God's wants. We'd actually start asking God to bless what we're doing rather than doing what He blesses. It's a big difference. Look at this passage in Ephesians 4. Under His direction. Under Tim's direction. No. No. Under... A, 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 a powerful personality's direction under the eldership's direction doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say under my direction and it doesn't say under your direction. We have to respect this verse. Paul says under his direction. How, why would Paul talk like that? It's pretty easy. He got knocked down and was blind three days. He knew he was in charge and he never forgot it. He says, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. God has put us together perfectly. And each part 
in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. You see, when all the systems are working in my body, I was talking to Matthew one time, I said he talked about the circulatory system and the nervous system and the digestive system and the bone structure. When all these things are working like they're supposed to, the body's healthy. It's, we get sick or we get disease or disease when something's out of whack, right? So it's important that we, you know, we, we find out what systems, what, what needs to be, what parts need to be healthy. Every part. Why? Because as they work together, the church is healthy. I want to say something, Greater Alton. I don't care how big we are. I only care how healthy we're going to be. I, I went through that big thing. I, I remember one time somebody said, you guys are trying to be a mega church." I said, why? Because you've got two PowerPoint screens. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You're trying to be a mega church. Why? Because you're trying to be like Saddleback. I am not interested in being like Saddleback. I'm interested in learning from churches. But I, what I'm, I'm interested in learning what, what's God's intent. What's His direction? And I notice that when all the parts are functioning, it's healthy and healthy bodies grow. The growth will take care of itself if we'll just be healthy. So I'm after a healthy church. I'd rather have a small rinky-dink, if that's what it's called, a small rinky-dink healthy church than a big fat sick one. I've been a part of big fat sick ones. It does, it, they're not fun. You, have you had a good time? None of us have. No, it's when we start, and it's, so my health as a part, my spiritual health, I was really challenged by uh, Nathan and Tammy King talking about, you know, Tammy is a well-read Christian woman. She's in her Bible every day. When she said, I put my Bible over my cell phone, I took that challenge. I put my Bible over my cell phone. And instead of picking up the first thing I do and go through Flip or whatever's going on or Facebook news, I opened up my daily Bible again. I went, you know what, Tim? You've got to get serious. I've got to be as healthy as I possibly can for you. Spiritually healthy. Not just physically, but spiritually healthy. You know, I need that from you as another part of the body. You need that from each other. And when each part does its work and we're on the same page, oh my goodness, the church gets healthy. And notice it says it's healthy, it's growing, it takes care of, and it's full, full of love. Not scarce, but full of love. I want to say something. Some of us here need to set aside whatever's going on in the past and just knock off the whining and complaining and start working on being healthy. It's not changing anything. You're sawing sawdust. It's just time we go, what, what do we do now? Not what, what happened then. We've got to start going, what, what's God want from us now? What is His direction for us now? And, and to find that, find that secret of being on the same page, I am convinced that we have to answer a number of questions. Questions like, who are we? What are we? Why are we even together? Why did God put us together? He's got a sense of humor. Well, maybe so. You know, what is the purpose of being here together? We could all join other churches. We don't have to have, have this church. Why are we, why did God put us together? Where are we going? That to me is a very important question. 
And what are we supposed to be doing? I will say it again. What are we supposed to be doing? And what kind of church does God want? That's really what this, this whole This Is Us is about. It's becoming the church Jesus wants. Everything that we do, well, we could just remember that and do, you know what, before we do this, before we do this activity, before we spend this money on this, is this does this help us become what Jesus wants as a church? Because when we're what Jesus wants, it changes the world. Now, what I want to do is in this series is try to answer some of these questions. I'm going to take a stab at it, okay? I'm reading Purpose Driven Church. If you've got a, some of you old fogies got an old copy of that, drag it out and start reading it. I'd like to see, I'd like to hear what you think. It's not an attempt, again, not, I'm not, listen, it says, under Rick Warren's attention, it doesn't say that, or direction, under his direction, under the Lord's direction, not Drucker, not Stanley, not whoever preacher you're thinking of. I'm so over that. You know, I want to do, I just want to end well. I just want to, you know what I'm saying? I just want to, I want to, I want to make sure the church is set up really well here. I think it's going to take us about three years to get where we need to be when it comes to this idea of what we're supposed to be. I think it's going to take us about three years. And I don't have the energy of a 30-year-old anymore. But I have at my disposal, through you and I together, more than enough energy to become what God wants His church to be. So that's what I want to do. I want to take a shot at this. Because see, it's, and, and what I wanted to start off with is just, is just share a conviction with you that I'm, I'm still learning this, okay? And that is that, and, I'm, and I'm, my conviction's getting deeper and deeper, that the church is the greatest group on earth. We've got to first realize that. That we, this group, us, makes up the greatest group on earth. We don't need to be ashamed of us. We need to be excited about being us. I got to thinking about this. Why is this so important? Over, over our lifetime, we're, we're in a lot of groups. Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> a lot of different groups. And a lot of things determine that. Maybe our birthplace. Maybe our physical features. Our gender can do that. Our age can do that. Our income can do that. And besides that, there, if, if you're not put in a group, which everybody's put in a group somewhere, fill out, fill out a, a form and it'll say race. And you've got all these different races. I always wanted to check them all and really make them mad. Because uh, really we're a kind of a melting pot of different things. Well, but there's also some groups that if, if we, if we're not put in a group, we'll go find one. We'll go join one. There's schools, clubs, sports groups. Some of us wear jerseys that say, I'm a Jets fan. I wore it one weekend. I don't know if I can put it back on, but I tried that. I, I wore a Cubs sweatshirt one time. I bought it Wrigley Field. Like 35, 40 bucks because I was freezing to death, not because I was switching sides. 
But there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of groups. There's work groups. I work for this company and we wear the shirts or the hats or whatever, or I work in this department. I'm in the building department. I'm in the maintenance department. I'm in the installing department. I'm doing this. I'm that. I'm a car wash. I'm a pizza place. You know, we, all these different groups, even friendships form groups. You know, teenagers are not the only people that form cliques. I know sometimes we, you know, some of us, we go look at them teenagers like a school of fish. They're just like, and then I look over and there's three gray-headed people talking together. They don't move as fast. But we, we love. We get in our cliques. We get in our favorites. Politics. You blue or you red? Are you independent? Or sometimes we'll join a group for a cause. We're just so caught up in that. I don't know. You see those pets on TV and they're suffering and they're quivering. I'm reaching in and I'm giving some money. I'm going to be for them. I'm going to get a t-shirt and wear it proudly or put a bumper sticker on there. I'm for this cause. I'm for this. I want this to happen. I want this change to occur. We put ourselves in groups sometimes, but I got to tell you, church, the greatest group you can be a part of is the church of Jesus. That's the greatest group of all. You don't want to miss this group. You don't want anyone to miss this group. Now, when we talk about the church, you know, some of you here have heard this before. A lot of confusion about the church. Let me give you just a few. First of all, it's not a building or an event I attend. Where's your church located? telling somebody this morning i have that people ask me all the time where's your church where's your church located i go well some of them are over there and some of them are way over there and some of them are right next door no 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 i'm not talking about your church but oh you mean the building the clubhouse yeah the clubhouse okay well that that's different but a lot of people got this idea it's a building we've paid off the church no uh, did you get any money i didn't get any money Nobody slipped me a ten. <laughs> no, we didn't. We we paid off the church building, and it's and it's also not just an event to attend. Oh, I I'm going to church. What do you mean? I'm going to a building. No, there's you can't. You can go to a building, but it it's it's not a building. And and it's I go to a an event. I go on Sundays, or I go to my small group, and that's about it. Oh, I might show up for other things. It's not just an it's not an event to attend where I just consume. But also the church is not a resort or a spa. This is very important because sometimes I can get confused. Nobody waves at me, nobody cares about me, nobody hugs me, nobody speaks to me. That's not this is not a this is not Disney World. I mean, I know every once in a while we'll see some character Come walking out. Oh, the Easter Bunny's here, you know. It must be Six Flags. It must be Disney. No, it's not. It's just somebody being ridiculous with an Easter Bunny. It has nothing to do with Easter and we're doing eggs. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, it's not a place where I come and get pampered. I'm not saying that we don't, we, we do need love. We do need acceptance. We do, we do need forgiven. We do need a word of look and a touch. I get that, but that's not really the reason the church is here. Initially, 
I learned this. I learned this as a young, young Christian. I, you know, I was wooed, like many of you. Remember when you were wooed? Oh, Tim, it's good to see you. Inside your, you know, now I'm wondering were they really sincere? Come on, let's do something together, Tim. Let's study the Bible. And then you start realizing, oh, this is what's going on. They're trying to convert me. But you don't mind because you kind of like it. And then, and then you, then there's this bait and switch feel after a while. Well, now you, I've got to get, well, you, you need to do this and this and this. Why weren't you there at church? Why weren't you at the group? Why weren't you? Whoa, what happened? Hi, Tim, let's do something together. I like that. What I didn't realize is the Bible doesn't call me to, to come and attend. He wants me to also to be active in a church. That's why at church camp, when, when people are working at church camp, want to be on staff at church camp, if you're not active at Greater Alton, you can't be really on staff. That's, that's one, of the, one of the rules I really think is a great rule that the board has made. And you see violations of that every once in a while, but we, why? Because we know that it's a great example to be active in the church. That's what you want your children to see, not some attender that just shows up whenever shows up a we've had people come show up a month before camp begins wanting to be on staff where were you a year you've been gone a year and they're offended by it well it's offensive to have attenders working with young kids your children inspiring to be like Christ when they're catching what the staff's going to be like it's very important to think about that so what is the church well here's the definition and um, here, here's how it goes. The church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together to worship God and help each other live like Christ. They're people that have obeyed the gospel. They're people that have trusted Jesus, turned from their sin, buried in Christ in baptism. And as they w- live this new life, it's they're added to the church and they're helped and they learn to help others live just like Christ. The first church helps us understand that. Now this is passage we know, we've done several times, we've looked at several times. I've got it, I think, out of another translation. Here's the New Living Translation. Here's the setting, by the way. What's going on is the church is starting. Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and you'll be given power from on high. And he's getting ready to start the church. And on day of Pentecost, sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes upon these guys. They begin to speak in tongues, in languages, not gibberish, but languages. And people are going, it's drawing a crowd. Because these guys are just backwoods, hicks, Galileans. They haven't studied these languages. I was telling Mark, I was going to use him a little bit. Mark can speak five, four or five languages. Five languages. Look, he held it up with such five to him. I can't even speak one very well. I'm butchering the English language to death. And he mentioned he can speak Swahili. Just to say that. we got somebody in our church that speaks Swahili. I told him, I said, the only time I ever remember hearing something that resembled, that someone said they're speaking Swahili was the old Tarzan movies. And I said, he probably wasn't saying something in Swahili like a line, but said. What he actually was probably saying is, hey, I need a sandwich at lunch, you know, or something like that. But I don't know because I'm a kid. I don't even, I've never studied Swahili. I can't speak Swahili. But if all of a sudden I started speaking fluent Swahili and Mark would be going, that's impressive. (laughs) He is saying this and this and this. Why? It's a miracle for me to do that. 
they gather all these, these people. They're hearing their own, it says they're hearing their own language. Well, what are they hearing? They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing about Jesus. And then someone says, ah, they're drunk. You know, that's out there. Those bozos are drunk. And Peter stands up and goes, no, we're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. No, this is what God spoke about back in the book of Joel. And he begins to explain. And then he starts talking, weaving Jesus Christ and what's happened to Jesus and gets, finally gets around to saying, you guys helped crucify him. We weren't even here. We're all involved in this crucifixion. You were here because he died for you. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And I know, what I thought was interesting is this, they, they asked, what should we do? What a refreshing attitude from people. Let me say it in Tim Gill translation. Tell us what to do. If there had been Americans there, that didn't come from an American, by the way. Americans don't talk like that. Tell me what to do. We don't like people telling us what to do. And notice, the church has started with, with people who have been listening to Jesus, and it's going to, people are going to be added to this body that have this attitude, tell me what to do now. They're cut to the heart. This Lord, this this guy, we killed the Messiah. Oh boy, he's both Lord and Christ. He's in charge of everything. Yes, and he's the Messiah. What do we do? And Peter says, we need to repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, and this promise is not just for you. It's for your children, your family too. And it's for every." Everybody that God calls from now on in the future, 2023. And it says here, look at this. This is very important, Acts 2.41. Those who believed what Peter said, the NIV says, those who accepted what Peter said. Those who believed what accepted what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. What about the people that didn't accept or didn't believe what Peter said? Were they baptized? No. You know, I I, I ask you just to think about this. I know some of you have been going through some studies. Have you been baptized? Have have you turned to Christ? Do you you say, "I, I believe Jesus enough to trust him? Enough to trust and be buried with him? Because until you do that, you've not accepted the good news. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. They didn't join this church. They were added to it. You're not baptized to join a church. When you're baptized, you're added. Look at this. There's the Living Bible. They joined with the other disciples. Who? Those are the people that were baptized. They decided. They joined. They made a commitment and joined themselves with the other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at the, and at the communion services and the prayer meetings. They worshipped together regularly in the temple each day, met in small groups and homes for communion, and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness, praising God. And look what, it, look what it does. The whole city was favorable to them. It had an impact on the community. And each day, God added to them all who were being saved. Church, there's no other group like this on earth. Starbucks isn't like this. C&W Autoglass is not like this. As much as some people think, oh, what would be a joy to work in a Christian company. Ask the Christians that have worked there. 
It's not guerrilla car wash. He did, that's not what it's describing here. It's not describing IBM or whoever or, or, a, or a sports team or a Super Bowl winner. No, it's, it's describing a group of people. It's describing us, a church. I can't say it enough. You want to be a member of this group. I'm just encouraged by it. I want, to, I want a group like this, and I want to be a part of a group like this. Why? Why is this group so important? Well, let's wrap up this lesson by giving you five reasons. I got five more next week. Let's get the first five. The first one is the church of Jesus is God's family. It's a family. And we're not a perfect family. That's why we're becoming the church that God wants. But we're a family. Uh, the, I found this. This is a quote up here on the screen. This is from Wyatt Earp. And this is uh, Gene Hackman's character, Wyatt's dad. Look what it says. Nothing counts as much as... Remember this line? Nothing counts as much as family. The rest are just strangers. In a lot of ways, that's the attitude of a lot of people when it comes to groups. My family. My family. Family man. And we look at people like this, devoted to their family. He's devoted to his family. She's devoted devoted mom. We look at people like that. They're noble. We admire people like that. Am I right? I would admire people that put their family... There's a lot of people don't put family first. A lot of people aren't a part of a good family. Jesus, though, had a family. Well, yeah, he had Mary and his brothers. Yeah, one time he was teaching... And somebody knocked on the door. Hey, Jesus, your family's outside. And look what he says here up on the screen in Matthew 12. Jesus didn't respond directly, but said, Who do you think my mother and brothers are? Then he stretched out his hand toward his disciples. Look closely. These are my brother and brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly father's will is my brother and sister and mother. And Jesus loved God's family the most. Are you a family man? Are you a God's family man? You God's family? Devoted devoted mother in the church? I know, listen, some of you here, uh, you love your families. I'm, I'm not, Jesus didn't say forget your family. He didn't say neglect your family. He's saying God's family is more important than that family. You got to love me more, Tim, than who? Well, let's see. I'm going to name your enemies. Well, that's easy. And Bill, George, or whatever, you know. But yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's a cakewalk. No, he says, you've got to love me more than your father, mother, sister, brother, more than your family. Why is that so? See, I, I, I don't want to be Wyatt Earp's dad to where I go, family all that matters, but I'm only talking about my DNA family. And not God's family. That, my, that God's family are basically strangers. God never designed it that way. He wants you to be a part of His family. I don't know if you, you know, if you've got, you're related to any famous famous families. I don't know if, if I'm related, but if you found out, you know, you're related to, you know, Taylor Swift's family. Oh, maybe I can get some tickets. You know, you got pull. You know, or, or maybe you're a famous sports figure or whatever it be, but you go, man, I could. Well, that, did you know I, I happen to be, I share 
family. We, we got cousins, third removed, twice put back in with whoever it be. It'd be exciting, you know, to be, be able to say, yeah, look at me. I'm related to so-and-so. Oh, man, the honor and the privilege to be in God's family. And God's family is the church. First Timothy 3.15 says, The family of God is the church of the living God. The family of God is the church of the living God. And like our physical family we're born into, we're, we're born again into this spiritual family. Look at this passage. All honor to God, the God of our Father, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is His boundless mercy that He has given us, given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. What an honor. What a privilege. How cool can it be to be a part of God's family? It's, a, it's, it's it. It's what it's all about. And I just want to I ask you, are you sure you're a member of God's family? You want to be a part of this family. That's one reason this group. See, God doesn't have, my family is, a business or a sports team or a nation. My family is the church. Number two, the church of Jesus is the reason he made everything. You ever thought about that? I was going to show some pictures of my grandkids, but some of you get tired of that, so I didn't want to do that. But uh, I, I made a Daniel's, Daniel uh, Tiger trolley. And um, it looks just like the Daniel t- Tiger trolley. And we pull it around, and I made it. Who did I make it for? My grandkids. Why? Because they're watching Daniel Tiger, and so I make it as close as I can. I make it the right, the size that they can fit. I didn't make it too big or too small. That way they could be in it. As I'm making it, I'm thinking of all of them. Right now, uh, Nene Naomi's. I got a picture of her. It's a cute little picture of her just just eating it up. She says, my trolley, my trolley. And I go, no, no, Nene, this is every, no, no, Nene's trolley. I had, I brought it to her birthday party and she, she's, and that's the picture. And she's like, my trolley. I go, no, no, this is, this is not your trolley. This is every, no, it's mine. And I'm, I'm like, well, you know, I did technically, I made that for you. So she's kind of right. Look at it says in Ephesians. What a great book to read during this series as you think about uh, church. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. He decided in advance before he, well, how, how far in advance? Well, Verse verse before says it this way. Long ago, even before he made the world, that's how far in advance. God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered with his love. Before God, God, think about this. Before God thought about stars and planets and, and trees and animals and before he started, he, he was going to make, he thought of you and he made everything with you in mind. Before he made that sunrise I saw this morning or the geese that are starting to fly. Before, before he made the stars I saw last night and the crescent moon that's 
breaks uh, on a Tuesday night watching soccer. And I'm like, what a beautiful, beautiful uh, sky. Before he made the mountains I saw in Zion National Park or Bryce Canyon. But before a lake, before he put anything, before he did anything, before he made that and 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 that, he made this. It was about this. Us. He thought of you, but he also thought of me. He thought of us. Think about it. If he did not want a church, he wouldn't have even went to the trouble of making anything. It would have been a waste of time. That's why it's the most important group. Because everything, all the resources that we have are for us. Number three, Jesus died for the church. You know how, how valuable something is but based on what people are willing to pay. Uh, we probably all have stories of a parent or an older sibling, or even a younger sibling, dying for somebody else in the family, risking their life, trying to save them, and dying in the process. Am I right about that? We probably all have stories like that. Why would they do that? Why would they risk their lives or even be, even die or shed blood? Because that, that person, that, that family member is that important. Oh, was it Romans 5 says, Very rarely will anybody die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly, possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in this, that while we were ungodly, or, or he died for the ungodly, he cares about the bottom of the barrel, not the cream at the top, not just the cream at the top. And I, I think about this. Of all the groups he could have died for, he didn't die for the United States. He didn't die for the NFL. He didn't die for IBM. He died for us, for this group right here, this group you're sitting in. He didn't spend. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't spend his life investing in a business. He spent his life investing in one group, us. Let me give you the fourth reason. Fourth reason is the church of Jesus is here to fulfill what God wants. We're here to become what God wants, and the church is here to help or to help each other become what God planned for our lives. His intent, it says in Ephesians 3, was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants everyone, including heaven itself, not just earth, but heaven itself, to know what the ultimate purpose is of the church, the ultimate purpose for man. Like how the message says it, through followers of Jesus like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. God's plan is made known through the church. God's plan for people is made known through the church, but it's also we're here to help people fulfill that plan in their life. That we love each other enough to encourage, we love each other enough to correct, 
We love each other enough to say sometimes the hard stuff because we know when we do that, we're helping somebody become just like Jesus Christ. And here's number five. The church of Jesus is the only group that lasts forever. No other group. Drive through town. You go down Godfrey Road. The latest casualty, chicken pig. You want to know if something lasts forever? All you got to see is two words. Well, technically, chicken pig. That's it. Just drive down all the boarded up buildings. And you see them in St. Louis. You see them in every major city and all in our small towns too. What's that telling us? Nothing lasts forever. I'm going to name a few, a few uh, companies and I'm sure you all are, would love to use. Pan Am, Borders, Pontiac, Circuit City, Blockbuster. What do they have in common? They're out of business. I'm going to say some names to you and I know it's going to, it's going to create some fear here. Adolf Hitler. Oh my goodness, why aren't you guys scared? You ought to be terrified. Adolf Hitler's in our foyer. Saddam Hussein is out there in the car somewhere and he's got his weapons, you know, that he kept moving around that we could never find. No, why are we not panicking? Charles Manson just just went into the kids' area. You're going, no, he didn't, Tim. Why not? He's dead. He's dead. They don't last. People come and go. Businesses come and go. Let me name some, let me name some countries. Persia. Assyria. Assyria was the kind of people that when they slaughtered you, they would cut your hands off and nail them to the wall of the, of the, or the gates of the entrance to the city. That's terrifying. But they're not around. Big whoop. Persia. Gone. Babylon. Gone. Rome. Rome. Now there's a, boy, they killed Christians by the thousands, the millions. They would date their calendar by how many Christians they killed. How many did we kill this week? Well, I see we've killed 50,000. Ah, it's Thursday. That was common. Nobody's shaking their boots over Rome. Why not? They're gone. The ruins and the rubble remind us nothing lasts forever and a lot of these a lot of these nations pivoted themselves or put themselves in in the church's way trying to stop the church i love what's what's the line in our one of our songs the church will stand she will endure and it's true the church is still here it's still here and it will stay here why because it's eternal Daniel's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've got Proverbs and then Daniel's, I think, second now. And I'm reading this, I was reading this this week. It says in Daniel 2, after Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of this statue that had a head of gold and I think a breastplate of silver and then some bronze and then the feet were iron and clay and he's terrified. Nobody can figure it out. And someone says, Daniel can figure it out. And Daniel goes, let me tell you, O king, what the meaning of that is. He said, the head of gold is you, but there's going to be a kingdom after you that's coming and it's going to come and it's like the silver and there's going to be another kingdom after that. It's going to be like the bronze. I think he names Greece by name, by the way. And then he says, and there's another one that's the badder, the bad of the bad, the baddest of the baddest. It's got, it's got feet of iron. It just stomps everybody in dirt, but it's got a lot of, it's also got clay, so it's not real stable. And we know that's Rome. And then he says this 
in verse 44. During the time of those kings, he's talking about the Roman kings now, the kingdom of heaven, will, uh, God of heaven will set up another kingdom. During the reign, if you've got, if, how many of you have read Person of Interest, you know it talks about Jesus Christ and the timing of it. The guy's got done a brilliant job. If you haven't read that book yet, Bob Hawkins recommended it to me. I recommend it to you. It helps you understand that Jesus Christ was a, was really here, and he was at the, he was he fulfilled all the prophecies, all the prophecies. And it's during this time of these kings, God of the God of heaven will set up another kingdom. The God of heaven is going to set up another kingdom on this earth under his direction. What he wants. He's going to set up, and what's going to what's what's going to happen? Well, it's never going to be destroyed, huh? It's never going to be destroyed. In fact, uh, it won't even give, be given to another people. He's going to keep it. He's going to rule this thing. It doesn't go. It, it, it's not going to be caught up like all the other kingdoms that get took over. No. This kingdom will crush all the other kingdoms. Oh, it's powerful. It'll crush it. It will bring them to an end, but that kingdom itself will continue forever. Church, there's no nation that's going to be here forever. The United States will not be here forever. We're just a little over 200 years old. We're still, we're still a young country. Yugoslavia is gone. Czechoslovakia is gone. There's countries I remember growing up with that I learned in high school or in grade school and and geography, you, you do too, and they're gone. There's something else now. Someone else took them. There's no other group. There's no other group that can claim, and the Bible tells us, or we have evidence of that's going to be here forever. Only the church. Ephesians 3, Paul comes back to the church, says, Glory belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. Glory, the glory of God is in His church and the glory of God is eternal and it will always, it'll always be there in His group, in His people. And that's why this group is the most important group of all. It's the only group that goes on. Question, are you in that group? Are you really in this group? That's what I want us to look at. Is Again, this, this sermon series, we're going to look at five more next week. I want you to ask yourself, how important is the church to you? The church is God's family. Am I a member of it? Do I hold it up where it belongs? More important than my own family? Am I truly a family man, God's family man? God, God made everything for the church. He made everything for the church. Am I, am I using the resources? Am I recognizing and appreciating the resources that He's given this church? Jesus died for the church. That's how important it is to Him. How important is it to you? I'm asking these questions myself. How important is the church to me? This is not some group like where, where you work. This is not some group that you're having a hobby with. This is not a club. This is the church of the living God. 
purchased by the blood of Christ. How important is it going to be? How important will it be? As we talk about what's next, what do we do? How important will the family of God, will the church of God be? The church is here to fulfill God's purpose. Do you know what it is? Do you know what, per, what, why we're doing what we're doing and what, what are we trying to satisfy? That's what I'm hoping we're going to learn together. Do you want to know? Because this is the most important group on earth. And He made this group to last forever. It's the only eternal group. Everything else is going to get burned up. All the other groups are going to come to an end. But this group is going to still be around. Are you part of it? Oh, please be a member of this group. You have a card in your, your uh, bulletin. Maybe there's something you'd like to respond to. You'd like to ask for prayers. Um, maybe you're going to make a decision today. I hope, I hope that uh, this series will help us all understand whether we're the newest person or a guest or we've been here forever to just to re-examine and to reestablish and to renew our our commitment to finding and fulfilling what God wants His church to be. We're going to give you some time here to fill out that card while we sing, and then we'll take up, or you can put those cards on the closing song. I keep forget we don't take the cards up. COVID. Okay. So, but you can put them in that basket, all right? Good to be with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you and praise you for your church for dreaming about it. I know, Father, you're, you, it's here to restore what was lost from the beginning. That sin robbed mankind of its intimacy with you. And, Father, we know that uh, Jesus came to restore that and wants his church to be a, a garden again, a place where things grow, things change, things are fresh. Things are full. Things are green. And Father, we just pray that you'll, all of us here, that you'll help us learn, give us wisdom, give us a student's heart that wants to know and that we'll, we'll search ourselves and listen through this series of what kind of church you want us to be. Father, we thank you for what you, what you did this couple of weeks ago through all these people, through, through us. And we just pray, Father, we'll do what you will bless, that we'll let you have the direction, not our preference, but your purpose prevail. That's what we ask, Father. We humbly ask that. Oh, it's a big prayer, but we ask it, Father, in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thank you. 